0: Today we'll be discussing how to keep everyone engaged at the table, both GM and players alike, especially virtually. Welcome to Dueling GMs. I'm Joseph. And I'm Anthony. This is a show for GMs and players, one about designs and details to build a better role playing community. So the first thing we're going to talk about is uh, how the GM can keep player attention. Like I was starting to dive into Virtually speaking, today's day and age, there's a lot of virtual tabletop games for better and for worse. But it is a thing, right?
1: Yeah, and and it's it's hard. Um, A lot of times you don't have a, a visual aspect. You're not looking people in the eye or even if you have a video feed, it's still not quite the same as being able to tangibly reach over uh, touch somebody, you know, smack the dice out of their hand. You know, you don't have that that interaction. You also don't necessarily see what other people are doing. There's distractions in the room. You may have another screen, another device running. It's easy to find other things to occupy you t- your time and attention. So especially virtually when we're playing, uh, this is a, a hard thing.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I, I personally am very... Um... I talk with my hands a lot. Um, yeah, me too. And and that's something that's, you know, hopefully that can be seen via camera. Um, but if your, you know, table or your virtual group doesn't play with cameras, et cetera, it does definitely make things difficult. So what are some ways a GM, let's start with the focus there. How, how can a GM keep player attention? What are some things that, that can be done there?
1: Well, we're starting with the GM because I think usually if uh, the group or the GM is identifying that there's an issue there, that I don't have the engagement that I want from the players, what do I do? The response is usually that's your job as a GM. And if it's not happening, it's kind of heaped on as that's your fault as a GM, Um, which as we Dive in a little bit further, we'll find out that's not necessarily true, Uh, but so we're starting with the GM because that seems to be the the easiest and obvious starting spot. I would say the number one thing to keep the player's attention is. By having a very good story. But. Not to make it your really good story. Nobody wants to sit with headphones on or come, you know, drive across town, sit at somebody else's table for you to basically have story time. Uh, So there's a difference. You know, we'll, we'll dive into the opposite of what probably needs to happen, but there's a difference here between having collectively a good story and people being engaged in that versus people being somewhat tangentially interested
0: in a story that
1: you're telling them,
0: right? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, having a good story is half the battle, but yeah, we can, uh, let's dive into that a little bit. So what are some ways to have not just a good story? Because like you said, this isn't story time just by itself. It's not an author reading their novel to the group. You know, though, you know, you could read a great novel. Those exist out there, Um, but that's not what we're talking about. Uh, So what are some ways, you know, specifically of having that, having their attention uh, incorporated with a quote unquote good story?
1: But here's what turns a potentially good story into a great one that people are going to actually want to tune into and pay attention to. The characters need to know how they tie into the story. And that's a huge difference. Um, You could have certain uh, adventures that you're playing, even homebrew sessions that the GM is building from scratch, Uh, whatever the case may be. You could have some of those where you build your characters, possibly in a vacuum. Maybe even you're lucky enough to be one of those groups that you build your characters together at the table. You have a little bit of connectivity between each other. But then when you sit down to play the game, you realize that there is no... Connection between your characters and the events that are playing out on page that you could literally take all those characters out and Inject another completely different party and the story would still play out Identical the encounters may have slightly different uh, Results but the story itself point a to point B the plot points everything that's driving you along would play out completely the same because it's the GM story, and you're injecting any random generic character into it. The difference and what draws your char- your players in is if the characters actually are incorporated into the story. Not just your class or every once in a while you come across somebody that you know, but the story is their story. You don't have a primary, you know, plot, And then you have side character arcs, but as much as possible, the primary character arcs are about the characters. The primary story arc itself is about the characters, even if they don't necessarily know it at first, that's what draws them in. And then they hear names and they hear places and they hear events that they were participating in when they were younger. And they say, wait a minute, that's about me. I didn't know Uh it at the time, but that has everything to do with me. That has everything to do with my family. That item used to be a family heirloom, whatever the case is, you know, that villain killed my family and he's coming up now. He's, he's rearing his ugly head again. Now I'm invested in the story because it's my story. It's not just the GM story.
0: Yeah. Hey, you mentioned, uh, some connections to the, to the world itself, uh, npcs items uh you know villains um i think you know character motivation uh you you mentioned as well yeah you know those are awesome ways of how to incorporate player characters into a story uh it takes not that much effort um but it does require a backstory um yeah (laughs) you know when that either the player comes up with on their own uh, or works with the GM to, you know, sometimes people don't know what, what's in the in the world that the GM's making. Um, what kind of lore exists and what fits best, um, but they have a concept in mind, right? Yeah. Um, and
1: I think I think now is probably a good time to also caution. So we've talked about making good characters with good backstories, good motivations. We spent a couple of episodes talking through that, uh-huh. but I think it's important to point out that just like it's really bad form for the GM to come up with a plot for the story, uh, for the characters to get jumped into that has nothing to do with the characters. It's also really, really bad form for you to sit down with a 5 to 15 page backstory mm-hmm. that has no bearing on what the GM has established for the setting or what they've told you was going to potentially happen in you know the, the course of the game. Because then you're expecting the GM to forcibly place all of your backstory into it. Uh, and you're almost challenging them and saying, if you don't do that, then I'm not going to necessarily be as involved as you'd like me to be. Uh, so the, the players yeah. can do just as much harm uh, to, to the, the flow of the plot as the GM in that way. I just think it's a lot harder for a player just char- playing a single character character to really upend that, uh, and where as with the GM, that kind of is the driving force behind everything. So it's a lot easier for that to become a problem.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, what are some other ways that a GM can help, you know, connect the character into not necessarily the story, but maybe the world building or maybe just the, uh, style of the game? Yeah, it's something you and I have talked about uh, off
1: recording a little bit here recently that we've noticed that uh, we kind of almost inherently do and are appreciative of that. uh, The GM really needs to know the characters that are being played almost as well as the players do. They need to understand what motivates the character and what things are actually demotivators the character mm-hmm. right that's almost as important Absolutely. Uh, they need to have those connections that we talked about whether it's story based whether it's other NPCs uh, but just as important is they need to understand what the basic class features are of the characters especially if they're starting to allow homebrew things and they say hey you've got access to all these homebrew stuff have at and then when you start to use some of those features the you know the campaign or the session grinds to a halt because the GM's like wait that that works how, and I don't think I really like that. And I'm gonna, you know, you have a lot of, uh, then the the players are kind of prone to disengaging and say, well, if I had known that, I would play a different class, and kind of getting disgruntled that way and, and checking out for the session, whatever the case is. But then mm-hmm. the one thing that you and I have talked about recently that's really important is knowing the flavor of the the character you have those, those big, how do you want to do this moments, right? The, the Matt Mercer, yeah. uh, flare. And, uh, you start to kind of pick up on who really likes the dramatic kill cam shots and who just, uh, clean through and through because I'm not, I, I'm not dramatic. I'm not flashy. Uh, I'm just doing my job. You know, how, how do you flavor your magic? And so even Uh when the players don't describe it that way, the GM is injecting that amount of flavor and that flourish to it that uh, you've got a druid, so every, uh, a druid of stars. And so I know when you cast a spell that uh, all of her magic has uh, a twinkly effect or, or is laced with constellation patterns all throughout. And I can describe that without you having to tell me that that's what's going on, because I know your character. I know that's how it works. Somebody else casting a very similar or identical spell, it would look different, and it makes the players feel... Uh, really good that the GM knows their character really well just by adding little touches of that flavor.
0: Yeah, and and that's not something that the GM has to obviously come up with uh, at first, like referring to that circle of um, stars druid, um, you know, call lightning, you know, just simple constellations forming to, to, to sort of balance the lightning up in the in the clouds at first. Um, you know, I, I described that once, maybe twice, and then anytime a any new NPC is present or like, you know, you, the GM, uh, you know, obviously remember stuff like that. And so, yeah, um, you know, it's like, oh yeah, that's, that's cool that now NPCs are picking up on it, or it's a friendly reminder to the rest of the party that that's kind of a, a neat, fun thing that you know, you as a player have that's that's flavor. Uh like you said, not all spell descriptors are identical, you know, you you might have um more arcane uh geometric symbols for one person, um, you know, more loosey goose, you know, sorcerer origin magic. Um the but it's the exact same spell, you know, so the descriptors definitely really flourish or, or flavor. Um you know, spells there and just different flourishes, like you said, with weapon, uh, usage, uh, you know, are they clean and simple? Are they gory and, and and violent? Um, but then also just like class features too, you know, not everyone's, um, you know, not all barbarian rages are just, you know, they don't need to be identical. Um, you know, knowing how that looks, and how the player wanted it to look definitely goes a long way, I think, uh, when a GM kind of brings it up again. Yeah,
1: yeah. It, all those types of things uh, should make the player say, "Yeah, that's right," and kind of lean in, whether it's uh, you know metaphorically or or literally at the table, lean in closer because they're they're getting excited about what's being described. And again, if you're as a GM only spending time uh, cinematically describing things that you've pre-written and pre-generated, that's going to have less of an effect on uh, the characters, as cool as it may be, because it doesn't have a an immediate impact on the character itself. It's not about the character. And, yeah. and as as much as we like to think oh. otherwise, at our at, at our core. We're all very selfish people. And so <laughs> the more that things pertain directly to us, or in this case, to our characters, the more interested
0: we actually are. So, yeah. And I think, uh, you know, kind of just reiterating a player's character's, you know, flavor doesn't take much effort and there's a lot of buy in. Yeah. Uh, so I think it's definitely worth the value there, just knowing that, knowing how just their, you know, general class or character works. Um, you know, if you know their motivation, like you said, demotivation, like you can throw that in on uh, intentional or just part of the story and then just see what they do and it becomes more, you know, enticing and more, you know, like it adds a little bit more zest to the story instead of like, well, you know, I'm not in it for the money, but the only thing they're offering me is money. So sure, I guess I'll go do the thing. Yeah, Um, But if the motivation was different, like I've been searching for my family and this person might not have that information, but they might know someone who has been around and, you know, it it leads into a side quest, but it's still the main story, if that makes sense. It's like, yeah, I can forego that money because it didn't interest me in exchange for a potential of information on my missing family. For instance. Right. We had another oh, yeah. instance this uh, past session, even
1: uh, where I, uh, you've been playing these same characters for a little over two years off and on, but a little over two years now. I know your characters inside and out. So one of the one of the characters made a, a comment of, you know, kind of a look of disgust talking about a particular creature and, and their the way they go about things. And I stopped him and had to make an insight check on himself um, because, uh, what he was really saying, uh, and, and I helped him, I think he knew, but I helped him kind of connect with the fact that that look of disgust was probably just as much about himself because he was really talking about himself in that moment and not really the creature, but it was also a way, even though I knew he probably knew what he was saying, I don't know that all the other players did. So that, that moment of kind of fleshing that out together gave everybody else a little bit more of an insight into that particular character And it's me, the GM, saying, I understand you Uh and you, the player, saying, I understand my character, but allowing everybody else to now get more buy in and understanding that same character.
0: Yeah. And so on the flip side, let's talk about that for a little bit. Uh, We have the players. Um, What should be some things that keeps their own attention? Uh, Sometimes attention is difficult. You got, you know, social media, texts, all the things coming in on our phones while we're looking at our character sheets, perhaps. Um, but beyond just, you know, trying to focus on the story, what uh, what are some ways for uh, being a little bit more engaged in, at the virtual or table? Sure. Yeah. So we've talked at
1: length about making sure you have a a solid backstory it doesn't have to be anything sizable but it's enough for the gm to work with and it's enough for you to kind of have a starting point a platform to kind of jump off of but your backstory doesn't necessarily need need to be set in stone and i think that sometimes we feel like once it's written it's done and that's why i even caution against having too much too early because if you just have a rough outline That allows you two levels, three levels, 10 levels in to kind of fill in some of the gaps or for the GM to fill in some of the gaps on that backstory. But then that allows you to have times where there may be story elements that are main story arcs, but you could say, hey, that reminds me of this thing with my my own family Uh, and And maybe it really is you thinking this might be connected, but it also allows you the opportunity to to kind of nudge the GM and say, hey, don't forget, I may have a connection here and you bring it in and potentially tie it in. The GM will either run with it and say, yes, absolutely, you're right. That may actually be connected or they will give you some sort of a, a, a reason why, hey, you can tell there's a difference in what's going on than what happened with your family. And here's how, you know. But that uh-huh. still kind of puts it back, thrust it into like the the forefront, so that it's the GM saying, "Yes, I remember this. I was paying attention, and I'm still paying attention." So you, as a player, can remind both the other character, the other players, and also the GM of some of those elements of your backstory by just paying attention to what's going on with the main plot and reminding them of those things as you go. Um, but you also as a player are absolutely responsible for paying attention uh, to the other PCs and connecting with their flavor, not just your own. Um, The best example I can think of is in Lord of the Rings. You have Gimli, you know, short, stubby dwarf with melee weapons and tall, lanky Legolas, the elf with the bow. Could not be more opposed to each other. Don't really like each other. And so they go from not really liking each other to kind of having a rivalry of trying to one up each other. Uh, but by the time you get to Battle of Helms Deep, then they're paying attention to what everybody what they're doing in combat and commenting on each other and kind of half taunting, half cheering each other on. You have that that only counts as one hmm. while he's hacking down you know orcs he's paying attention to legolas and to kind of cheering him on and, and stuff and uh, we don't necessarily do that a whole lot as player characters we focus on ourselves and then the other players kind of do their thing and they have their own flavor and uh, but the more you can intertwine your both your backstories if possible but also comment on the flavor that other characters have. The more you're going to be engaged with them and their story, and they'll return the favor.
0: Uh mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Like, like you said, it turns from a rivalry to a friendly competition. Uh. With uh. Gimli and Legolas. Um. That that definitely helps because then it it breeds more. Role play options and opportunities just outside of combat. Um, you know, that still only counts as one, though that happened in combat uh, in the movies, uh, at least. Uh, that's something that, you know, outside of combat, it's worth, like, you know, maybe it's worth a discussion. Maybe it's, hey, you know, we've noticed all your stuff is about constellations. What's up with that? Um, you know, do you, you know, come from a. a you know, some sort of thing with that or, you know, like, what are the tie-ins there? And then you start fleshing it out as a player and it connects to that lore and, you know, just it kind of expands and expands in in a great way. Uh, But then other players kind of know what's up. So then if you know, there's other things happening in the world that they know that you might be interested in, then it helps bring everyone else along for the ride, you know? kind of keeps pulling everyone forward in a way
1: yeah and there's there's lots of opportunities for that people will sometimes like i was just describing people will sometimes inject elements of their story Uh and they're they're kind of feeding it out to see if anybody bites on it and if nobody takes it takes the bait they'll just kind of reel it back in and say well i'll try again another day maybe Uh, but Uh if if you're kind of You know, offering that bait out and somebody takes the bait and says, oh, you you got a new tattoo. I've noticed you got a couple of those. Is there a story behind those tattoos? What's going on with that? Or you mentioned that you started getting these types of things as a child. Is that something to do with the way your clan works? And, and, And nobody, for the most part, seems to pull that type of information in. Because, again, it's not about me. So I'm less focused on it. And it's not about the main quest. And so I'm less uh-huh. focused on it. And so we end up being very disconnected to the other characters as a result. Uh, I think back to spoilers, I guess, to campaign one of a uh, critical role and a big, huge moment that ended up having a, a main oh. character leave the party basically culminated. And you don't even know the name of my mother because you never asked. Uh, and it was a huge big deal and it kind of became both a, a, a opening moment for the players and the characters in that moment, but then became a running joke in the entire second campaign as a result that they intentionally asked the name of everybody's mothers because
0: they didn't want anybody to feel like that they were being ignored. Yeah, the other thing, um, that, uh, not just kind of role play, but you know, knowing, um I guess, everyone's class features in a sense. Not like to the nth degree, but like if you know that the thief is good with their, you know, or if the rogues go with their thieves tools, right, then it sort of presents different ways of pulling everyone into the spotlight. You know, mm-hmm. like if if the story is about me, uh, just... It, momentarily that doesn't mean that I have to lead everything you know if we come up to a locked door or if that's an option I want to make sure that you know the other party members are getting a a time to shine as well yeah and I think that really helps with character interest because it's like oh well this isn't my story I'm just gonna kind of be on my phone and you know yeah no just sort of ignore pass the time that way um But if it's like, Oh, so-and-so like you're good with, you know, a little bit of a heist, right? Like maybe we can do this part, you know, together and you can help me out. And, uh, you know, we can make things go a lot farther that way. So I think that's, that's also good. Not just, you know, you know, RP sense, but like knowing that they are good at something that you want to try to keep roping people in instead of like, Telling them what to do or just saying, oh, well, I'm sure there's another way that involves just me, you know, the temporary main protagonist. Yeah, yeah. Um,
1: Yeah, and it's, I think it's good for both the players and the characters themselves to kind of know and understand and learn to appreciate the specific uh, strengths of the different characters, the roles that they play, not just combat related roles. But if we need to search a room and the gm is is saying all right you collectively like who's who's helming the investigation check that you don't have you know the barbarian with a plus one investigation say well i guess i'll do it when you have you know a bard or a rogue that's got like a plus nine or a plus ten on that same role and they just didn't speak up fast enough or are assuming that nobody really cares about their you know level of uh, involvement and so are not necessarily participating. But if they say, "Hey, you know, I think we found something over here. Can can you the bard or can you the rogue come over here? We need a better eye." That pulls them in. That allows them to step into their strengths. You yeah. need something that's Arcana based. We'll find one of the spellcasters, somebody who is trained in Arcana, and let them, you know, mention the idea to them and let them see if they have an idea that comes of it. Uh, I think far too often, especially at least in our games, uh, I call for like a group role and I'll even let you guys roll with advantage because it's everybody doing it. So one person helmet and then everybody collectively is providing advantage. And then it just kind of becomes a race to see who, uh, you know, rolls the dice first instead of because I I honestly don't think that some of the players or, uh, you know, PCs actually know the strengths and weaknesses of the party. Even though you are at level 11 and soon to be 12, <laughs> yeah. uh, it's just not the the type of thing for some reason with this exact group makeup that has ever really kind of clicked for that group. But I think it's uh, it, it would allow for a lot more in- engagement. And I know I'm going to pull this person in here. And if I have a hunch on something, I'm going to go talk to this participant. Particular person about it because they may have insight on that type of thing, and you know strengths and weaknesses because that's the point of a well-rounded party, right? Right.
0: Awesome. Um, is there anything else uh, about you know players and, and characters in that sense, or well, as a GM in
1: general? Um, probably a few things related to the characters. It's worth mentioning. You have a responsibility to inject some of their backstory into your story uh we we sort of alluded to that but that is kind of your responsibility don't ask for a character backstory if they're not going to make use of it they might as well have just started in a void and you honestly should probably tell them that i have a story already planned backstory is not needed here uh your kind of your story starts in this moment and sometimes that's fantastic. Well, we've talked about this before. If you're starting with a level one character, please don't give me a six page backstory. You didn't uh-huh. do 99% of the things that you claim to do or else you would not be a level one. Right. Right. Uh, so sometimes that's warranted that you literally are a nobody. You came fresh off the farm or you're a you know, low level nobility and you had nothing better to do than to pick up daddy's sword and go join an adventuring party. Then that's fine. But other than that, the characters have a story. And if they have any amount of levels, that means they survive through intense amounts of trauma. Otherwise, they would still be a commoner. So they trauma. have a story to tell and they have a story to tell each other. And they have a story that should have a bearing on the overarching story as well. So you have a responsibility as a GM to tie that in. Uh, you can also do that specifically by... Having uh, miniature arcs or just certain sessions where one particular character is in the spotlight. Uh, mm. You have a, a dungeon crawl and there's a whole bunch uh, or, or heist and there's a whole bunch of, of doors that need uh, locks picked. Great. You've got the rogue that's doing their thing. If you're going from point A to point B and you have no map and there's no road, you need a ranger. To help you figure out where you're going let them actually uh, make some really cool checks on survival on investigation perception whatever it is that they do really well maybe you're tracking a particular monster that you know they have as a favorite enemy and so they get advantages on certain things for it you can allow them to really lean in uh, mechanically or again because of their backstory. You, you yeah. came across a particular noble who's been, uh, you know, terrorizing the rest of the town. And you realize that it's your evil uncle that's been doing this all along. And now you have, you know, a vendetta against them. You have an opportunity to get your revenge. And so really your character is now front and center as what's going on. Uh, uh-huh. That gives you 100 percent buy in. But then the players honestly are really excited to see you fulfill some Avenue of your own personal story, Uh, both because they want to see you succeed, but also because again, we're selfish people. And in the back of their minds, they're going to, they're thinking next time it might be me. And I want them to have my back when it's my turn. Right. Mm -hmm. So you have a a lot of that. So uh, did you have any other thoughts on that specifically? Maybe the GM's role in making sure the characters, not just the players, but the characters are involved.
0: No, I think that I think that covers it. I okay. mean, uh, just knowing knowing the characters, knowing you know, getting a backstory, and if the players are like, "Well, I I don't know specifics, but I want to be a mercenary or I come from a mercenary background," I think it's definitely worth a discussion and maybe session zero, uh, where the GM's like, "You know what? Here's a couple of mercenary groups that maybe are rivals." with each other maybe did different things in different towns so just to give the player some options then have the player start to think about like oh how do i you know what what is it that i value or what is it that my character values like would they be in this one town protecting you know kind of like militia or are they out and about bounty hunting in which case it might be a different location might be a different group but then the GM provides those options instead of just saying, well, I was a mercenary, you know, generically speaking. No, you were part of, you know, the red flags or the, you know, and and they were all about this. And, yeah. you know, and, and you, the player, made that decision. So, whether your character is still all about that, you know, protecting the, the innocent, maybe for a little coin, um, or, or not, like, that's your your decision um and that's part of the role play that's the fun of it but at least you know like the 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 uh the group might still be around or maybe missing or you know came back from the dead whatever it might be um but now there's tie-ins and if you go back to that town people might love you people might dislike you for abandoning your post you know like it, it now is part of the world building instead yeah. of just and it goes back oh, to that oh. living
1: world that you could have an impact on yeah. and change and stuff yeah exactly yeah so it's like and I, even I that, that is a way to uh, allow players to have more more buy in and more uh connectivity is the things that you do and say matter and they have a bearing on things down the road
0: yeah consequences yeah. or not but like at least that way you know that even if you do 20, you know 20,000 side quests and you go back to that town, they might have an opinion on you, yeah. you know, like just based on what you chose at the beginning. Uh, and, and that's part of the fun. Uh, but kind of knowing that instead of just like, well, I, I'm a noble, uh, I'm going to do noble things or, <laughs> okay, I decided I'm going to be a a, 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 Duke, you know, what, <laughs> what does that do for me? Yeah. Uh, Which country? Oh, I don't, I don't know. Like, no, work with your GM. Hopefully the GM has an idea or a a few options for you. And you're not just a kingdom, you know, a a ruler of a country that doesn't exist. And right. You know,
1: pick anywhere on the map. And I'm like, well, let me find (laughs) some place that doesn't exist and work with that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So we had one other thing I think that we wanted to to cover in terms of, um, getting everybody's attention right and that was uh doing things to keep people on their toes not
0: mm-hmm.
1: just as a gm but as a player uh so um we've got two things that that you had jotted down how about i cover the first one and then you speak to the second one that work
0: yeah i mean i might chime
1: into the first oh, sure, one. absolutely we'll yeah, yeah. um but my so my bread and butter, both as a player and as a character and probably to my detriment and definitely to the detriment of my parties, is that I always am trying to subvert expectations. I'm always trying to I mean, I'm, I'm working right now, even kind of creating content where I'm subverting all the expectations of subclasses and trying to flip them on their heads and make them do things they're not really supposed to do. Uh, but I do that as a as a gm sometimes where i I will set up a scenario that everybody thinks is intentionally leaning into maybe a trope and then i pump the brakes and say now all that stuff that you thought were true and all those preconceived notions you're actually the racist here or you know you're you're Hmm. actually you have a completely different misconceived notion of what's going on and now that this new thing has been revealed it's the what I, I didn't see that coming type of moment. Right. Yeah, And I exactly. do the same thing as a as a player, then, too, that uh, I will intentionally try to if I see that there's a whole lot of of. So we talked about railroading and, and that technically everything related to uh, gaming is is on rails. It's just a matter of how linear That railroad goes. Uh, Sometimes, if I can see that there's a straight line off miles and miles in the distance, I'll intentionally try to derail the train and then Uh see what happens to to make the GM do the whole thing where you're frantically trying to put down rails as the train's moving. (laughs) Uh, Because it's just more fun and it makes for a more spontaneous, creative story. And I know that it's happening as a result of my intentional character actions, not just a pre planned story that it doesn't necessarily have to have my character involved in. So Mm -hmm. again, I I understand that that is probably a little bit to the detriment of other people if I'm constantly doing that. So I try to keep that a little bit um, in check. But both of those uh, are ways to keep people on their toes, subvert expectations. um, But doing it in a way that isn't just what all the things that you've ever guessed, I've intentionally changed my story so that you're wrong. Uh, you know, that's that's right. not a good way of subverting expectations. That's intentionally like pissing off your characters, <laughs> your, your players. Um, you guessed yeah. you guessed this six sessions ago and it was too spot on. So I just changed the entire story. So, yeah, I'm not talking about doing that. So you don't want a, a huge mess of chaos and and have things that just you're injecting things that don't make any sense and they make the story too convoluted. And nobody knows what's going on. But if it's planned and it's a way of of jarring people out of like a malaise or just kind of going through the motions and everybody kind of sits up and says, could you repeat that, please? I'm not sure if I heard that right. Then, mm-hmm. you know, you're on the right track. And everybody, again, has that moment of kind of leaning in and saying, all right, now I'm fully
0: engaged. I wasn't before. Yeah. Yeah. You have my attention and my curiosity. Yes, I have several questions. (laughs) Yeah, uh, something just to add to that, um, you know, I I always like to uh, try to avoid some some level of trope uh, when it comes to character design uh, personally. Um, But the other thing that I like to do is and we've talked about, you know, alignments and various things like that. But like, uh, you know, kind of given, like, kind of show some color, some backstory, but have it not be the full picture uh mm-hmm. right away. Um, you know, I I had a a wizard that um was very uh was trying to do good, like genuinely was trying to do the right thing, but. Definitely took the approach that looked terrible. Uh and, and it wasn't always like obvious that he was a decent human being, but he you know subjugated himself to you know personal experiments of the arcane so that he could hopefully do good for the greater good. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of this interesting, like everyone just sees him like, what in the world is he doing? Uh, you know, you can have very, uh, we we joke about the, uh, paladins where they just grab someone by the collar, or lift them up and then just, just, you know, lay on hands. And it's like, Oh, Oh, you're actually doing something good for me. Uh, Thank you. You know? Um, you know, so there's things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then also just like, um, you know, finding out the motivation as to why you've been inquiring about x you know people might think that the rogue is asking about this sweet you know uh artifact because they want to steal it well maybe it was a family heirloom but they just haven't shared that yet you right. know and they're trying they're just trying to get it back uh or you know they need to destroy it uh and only they are aware that it's a cursed item or something right you know just so yeah you know as, as the story continues uh you know just kind of as a player, you you know change up the 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 artifact in your backstory a little bit to be cursed instead of just an artifact have the g m also have to adjust a little bit as well, so I think those are always fun, yeah, yeah, and then the other thing that we talked about for everyone uh to just keep everyone on their toes is to just allow space to introduce oh. backstory revelations uh and I kind of started talking about this, but it tweaks your preconceived gm notions um whereas like the gm might have an idea for you the player or has an idea of where the story is going to go but when the player starts adding more or sharing more with the group about their backstory that it's like oh it definitely changes the direction example would be that that cursed artifact maybe you still need to steal it but then it's this. That opens up a whole other thing that the GM may or may not want to figure out, such as how to get rid of it. What, you know? what to
1: do with it. It's not that you want yeah.
0: to take it so you can use it. It's
1: you want to take it and then figure out how to dispose of it. Yeah, right.
0: Yeah. The, the GM might have been planning that this is an artifact that is then yours. And you can, you know, they're maybe building up a homebrew item for that. You know, it's perfect for the rogue, etc. Uh, but if you explain that it's cursed now, then it's like, oh oh, hold on, (laughs) this isn't going to be something he's wearing or, you know, that they're going to be keeping around or they need to figure out how to get rid of it or destroy it or, you know, they need to, you know, remove a curse or something on it. So just different options like that. I think it's definitely fun for, and I guess that might fall under just subverting expectations as well, but I think it's not necessarily an expectation that the artifacts curse is just a new layer that changes the direction of the story
1: and again that yeah. only comes as a result of you not writing out 10 pages of backstory
0: because it allows space for you to yeah you exactly. inject stuff as you go I, and, and personally i I, I, don't, I don't i don't know if it's a the correct term or anything but i do call it like schrodinger's backstory where you know you put in things that you may or may not be yeah. certain on it may or know, may like, not exist it may not until yeah, it comes it, up until it comes up in the story, it it doesn't exist. Or until you know the GM and you decided wholeheartedly that that's part of your past. Fine, you know. Like I said, like defining it a, a mercenary uh, group like that exists. You don't need to change that, right? Um, but if it's something that you know is in the world that hasn't really been defined at all yet, yeah, change it. You know, keep yeah. everyone on their toes. Why not?
1: Another example of a Backstory revelation that may uh, force the GM to kind of also kind of reconsider your character and their approach. Are uh, we? We've got a kind of a side game that we run occasionally when people are are missing from our group. Uh, so I, I actually get a chance to play every once in a while, and, and I've got a little like hedgehog character that everybody thinks is you know cute and warm and fuzzy and he had described earlier that he had to leave his forest and he was the last of his order uh that he's he's involved in some sort of a of an order that even though he's a rogue he's like a prophet cleric type of thing uh for the great uh Ouroboros like the the great dragon thing anyway uh it, eventually it kind of came up that well he, he had to leave because you know he was the the only one who who left and uh, it was because nobody else believed in the prophecy that he had and they wanted to stop him and eventually it came out that well i i had to get out and the only way i could get out was i killed my entire family which was you know who made up the rest of the order and so you have this cute fuzzy hedgehog character that you know has this message to tell everybody and then he just kind of drops the bomb that my entire family is dead my entire order is dead and i'm the reason why because i killed them in their sleep so i could leave and then you get a completely different perspective on this (laughs) character that maybe isn't quite as warm and fuzzy as you thought he was Definitely adds a little shock value, and yeah. it keeps everyone on their toes. When I think it was odd enough in a in a drop that that I don't know that it's registered for everybody. Like we <laughs> haven't played since that that one, maybe one or two sessions since then, and it's yeah. not really been discussed. He kind of got a pat on the head, and the 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 group just kind of kept on walking. So uh, sometimes even the GM doesn't know what to do with it. But again, if it's one of those things where if you want it to be an important item, then figure out a way to bring it back up later. And eventually they'll start to catch on that. It's a key part of your story. Yeah, that's a lot of good stuff there. Yeah. So hopefully, hopefully that's given you a few different ideas for how to grab people's attention, how to keep people's attention uh, and maybe some of the reasons
0: why they've stopped paying attention in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, it, and like, as we described, it's not just the responsibility of the GM, uh, yeah. players take notes of a few other players and take notes of, you know, their, how they're describing things and the flavor and, and all the fun stuff as well. And, you know, just know what they're good at and help you, help everyone kind of get their own spotlight moments. I think yeah. that's good stuff. Yeah, for sure.
1: Well, any parting shots? I know we probably have a, a new introduction we need to make.
0: Somebody's been chattering in the background here. Uh, yes, yes. My my little girl, she likes to chatter sometimes. But uh, yeah, I, I don't think I have any extra parting shots. I mean, that that's kind of it. It's just, you know, we always circle back to it, but this is a collaborative, fun experience that, you know, anything done in a vacuum you're gonna get subpar you know setups yeah um you know whether that's the gm or the player just building something on their on their own and you know building their own work of art in the sandbox outside of the group um but it's not going to be as good as everyone putting it together yeah for sure Uh, so yeah awesome
1: well everybody uh help us welcome joseph's little one she's just a couple weeks old and uh so she's the the noises you've heard in the background potentially and uh was yeah, trying she, her best to not interrupt
0: she just wants to join in on the podcast
1: yeah gonna start reading the abcs of D soon right oh yeah already started all right well if you have any other uh ideas uh you can leave comments for us on how you actually keep player attention or uh help people to re-engage when they're losing interest in the story or their own character sometimes uh, feel free to leave us comments and uh we would love to interact with you
0: yeah until next time catch you later